Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, this is the Planning Commission hearing of Tuesday, January 16, 2024. One of our commissioners is uh, still 10 minutes out, so we are pausing the beginning of the hearing until we have quorum uh, when the commissioner gets here. So I'm going to uh, pause recording and we will restart uh, the hearing once the commissioner is here. Good afternoon, everybody. This is the Tuesday, January 16, 2024 Planning Commission hearing. Mr. Vice Chair. Okay, I'll go ahead and call this meeting to order at 321. Can we get the roll call, please? Yes. Uh, Member Ceci is excused. Member Nielsen. Member Moore is excused. Member Kelly. Here. Member Hernandez. Present. And Chair Jin is excused. Vice Chair Crawford. Here. We're out of seven in attendance. Uh, please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Okay, there's no announcements by the chair. Next item is E, open forum. This is a chance for anyone to speak on any item that is not on the agenda. This afternoon, I do have one speaker card, Kelly Abreu. Right. Um, so yeah, I've been to a couple of these uh, public meetings and sometimes when they receive public comments, they're written. I've never seen the, the names of the author of the uh, originator of the public comment. I've never seen their names deleted, ever. Here, we got this wonderful service where we can submit anonymous written comments without their email address, without their name, without their address, without their, they claim to live next door or whatever, from something or other. But that's a, a you know, how a, a unusual thing by, by the sta county staff. Here's another unusual thing by the county staff, but they do it every single day after every single meeting such that they do it so routinely they probably have it automated that that no one even thinks it's uh, they think people think it's normal you post agendas 72 hours a minute, whatever it is and uh, for a meeting then you hold the meeting and then the meeting's over and then you know that's no longer an upcoming agenda that's that's a archived agenda that's a past agenda right so what they do is they delete the agenda automatically or somehow maybe somebody goes and erases it and then if you go to the meeting go to the website six hours later 24 hours later 36 hours later whatever after the meeting is over it doesn't matter which meeting all the meetings the agendas have disappeared and then they reappear magically you know they're supposed to be 48 hours or whatever for regular meeting, but really it's that they don't follow the, they sometime after a few hours or days or weeks um in a redistricting meeting once, it was in 2021, November, it was uh, eight days. They kept it, kept it underground for eight days, no video, no agenda posted. And then it just gets reposted. So um, my suggestion here for your, for, is to never 
never, never let your staff delete, hide, pull down, erase the agendas, even temporarily, for any reason. Because once you post them, all, all you have to do is repost. If you have a corrected one, repost it. But don't take down the agendas. Thank you. Well, the computer screen says Christy Dang has her hand raised, but that's an architect for one of the items. So is that correct or? I don't know. We'd have to check and see if they probably put the attendees screen as a to the panel. Let me see. Uh, greetings, uh, Christy. Is this, um, are you here to speak on uh, uh, a regular for, item, item number one? Uh, for yeah. Anita Avenue, thank you. Um, I just wanted to uh, be able to comment later. So I was, not, uh, it looks like the settings have changed where I'll be able to comment at a later time. Sure. Yeah, we'll we'll call you up when when it's the, that item comes up. Thank you. Okay. Great. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wants to speak under public comment? So online, there's nobody who has raised their hand to speak on public comment. If you're online and you wish to speak on public comment and you're on a computer, you can uh, at the bottom of your screen press the raise hand icon, and that will let us know that you wish to speak. If you're on the telephone, you can press star nine, and that will raise your virtual hand and let us know you wish to speak. No one online has raised their hand. Okay, and I don't see anyone in the room, so we'll move on uh, to the next item, which is field trip report, which we don't have any. Um, I am curious, I'm gonna ask the question though, what, what is up with field trips since COVID's in the rear view mirror now, more or less? Um, are we just not gonna do field trips anymore? Or that used to be kind of a staple for BZA and the PC? So we can uh, discuss seeing them again if the commission wants to uh, go as a group to see them. Otherwise, what has happened since COVID is people just go out on their own and look at a site. Okay. And we can discuss bidding reports. Uh, I don't believe there are any. Uh, let's go move on to approval of the minutes for December 18th. Uh, do we have any changes to the minutes? If not, is there a motion to approve? Moved. Second. Second. Okay. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries 4-0. On to consent calendar. There are no items on the consent calendar, so we're going directly to the regular calendar. Item 1, PLN 2023-50. This is a site development review and appeal. Can we have the staff report on this item? This is William with the Alameda County Planning Departments. I'll be uh, having a short presentation for the application. This is a density bonus, um, 11 units multifamily housing development project. Um, the application was initially approved by the planning director and the appeal is to reverse the condition requiring the covered parking design to include an enclosed garage space and a carport. The applicants are, and the owners are John Mary Sullivan and Patrick Sullivan. The, the location is at 20036 Anita Avenue in Castro Valley. The zoning is residential mixed density, and the general plan is also residential mixed density and exempt under CEQA um, special review of housing projects um, under the residential or mixed use housing projects. This is a um, zoomed in, zoomed out aerial view of the subject site. 
um, right across from Witcher Street on Anita Avenue, uh, more zoomed in um, area view. Uh, currently exists a single family home, a detached garage, and the back half of the lot is vacant. The lot itself is 20,493 square feet. Um, and per the zoning, it allows the uh, development of up to eight dwelling units per um, 2,500 square feet of land. And per the density bonus, um, they are proposing 11 units uh, for a base zoning of seven dwelling units with a thousand square feet uh, floor area. There is a uh, front unit that is two stories three bedrooms, and a, the rear 10 units are three-stone townhomes. And director approved the initial site development review, allowing the development of 11 units, um, and the parking calculations are located in the bullet one. The zero to one bedrooms is one on-site parking space. B, two to three bedrooms indicates one and one-half on-site parking spaces, and four more bedrooms indicate two and a half parking spaces. The project provides 11 parking spaces via uh, two car garages. The Cache Valley Mac recommended three new conditions of approval, um, one being the single car garage in an, in, and an unenclosed carport for each unit. Um, all the garbage containers shall remain on site during collection times to uh, minimize um, taking up parking space or crowding the um, Anita Street for collect garbage collection, and the project proponents shall provide a lease agreement stating garages and carports remain as vehicle parking use instead of storage. Uh, the plan director subsequently approved this, the project with four new conditions, 19, 20, 22, and 23. Uh, applicant appeals number 19 and 22, um, Number 19 being the project proponent shall up submit an updated design development plan to allow a single car garage and an unenclosed carport for each unit. And the architectural uh, plan for the building permits, uh, when building permits are ready to be submitted, shall include for design and single um, enclosed garage space for each unit. The appeal includes the rental agreements uh, previously provided to staff indicates that garages and carports must be used for parking and Garages are more desirable to renters compared to carports. A two-car garage design is more efficient use of space. Um, the applicant also suggests residents apply for a residential permit parking program along Anita Avenue, and it would also provide an undue hardship for the project. And the plan director does have discretion on indicating the design of the units. Um, the There are no imposed conditions that would... Um, limit the density uh, as proposed by the project. <clears throat> um, this is more general um, staff analysis on the density bonus calculations um, as stated in Gov Code um, 65915B1, a city, county, or city and county shall grant one density bonus, the amount uh, which uh, shall be sub specified in um, the government code and they there are no limits to the number of waivers that an applicant or developer can apply for. Previously stated, there are waivers that the applicant um, applied for, and there's also a chart um, and the following slides that indicates the type of waivers the developer and owner are uh, applying for. This is the percentage of increase in uh, bonus density calculations. 
for housing developments meeting the criteria of the gov code um, they are applying a 46.25 percentage increase as they are providing um, one out of the base zoning seven units to be very low income units is a density bonus parking analysis the project up follows the item number B, two to three bedrooms for the units, which means one and one half on-site parking spaces. Um, for the calculation, they would only have to provide 16.5 required on-site parking spaces, but they are providing 22 covered parking spaces via garages. Is a table of the waivers that they are applying for. Um, a few include the building height and form they are increasing the building footprint of the second floor as um, more than 80 percent of the first floor they are increasing the heights for three-story townhomes um, there's also um, a waiver for the front yard paving exceeding 50 percent um, also asking for reduced setbacks as well these are additional waivers um as previously indicated on, this, on the others on the previous slide, um, this is more an in-depth review of the previous slide. And these in, are also waivers, which indicates the required parking for a typical project that is not a density bonus. Uh, basically, this project does not provide guest parking, um, which is a waiver. Um, well, not a waiver, but density bonus calculation. Um, in addition to uh, a waiver regarding op open space and common usable open space. And there are a total of 13 waivers requested. These are also the additional waivers that can uh, applied for. This is a, a general site plan of the proposed 11 units. These are the general architectural style and um, color palette used by the project proponents and designers. Let me know if I'm going too fast or if you want to, me to stay on a certain slide. This is a um, rendition of how the project would look like. Um, fronting on Anita would be the two-story townhome where my mouse is, and then on uh, the internal of the lots would be three-story townhome. I recommends that the planning commission deny the appeal of the planning director's decision and keep the conditions of approval 19 and 22. Um, however, if the planning commission considers that both parking spaces for each townhome can be in the garage as proposed by the applicants, um, determines that the original conditions of approval are not appropriate or approves the appeal, then the attached conditions in the traffic planning commission resolution for appeal approval should be considered, which removes the conditions of approval 19 and 22. In the draft um, resolutions in the planning commission packets, there, are, there is a resolution for approval of um, the appeal and also a denial of the appeal. Staff is available for any questions. The designer also has a short presentation, and the applicants are also in the audience for any questions that you may have. Commissioners, any questions for staff? Go ahead. Um, taking my time on the Planning Commission, which is not as short as it used to be, I don't think I've ever seen this condition of approval around storage and garages. Is, is that an all common or? So it's it's not common. It was the intent of the uh, Mac was to 
make sure that because of the lack of parking, it meets it meets the parking as um, modified per the density bonus request. Um, but because of the lack of what would otherwise be the the parking and due to the neighbor concerns about congestion, the idea was if you provide carports instead of garages, then because of the nature of a carport that's not fully enclosed, then storage would not be happening in the carport. It would be then uh, more uh, readily available for parking an actual vehicle. And the conditional approval would be both the carport and the single car garage could Right. So uh, there's there's the belt and suspenders aspect of writing into the conditions of approval, a limitation on the lease stating that garages are to be used for parking, but also physically the uh, creation of one of the spots being carports would physically uh, sure, sure. encourage parking. So then if the tenant didn't have a car, we'd be passing a condition of approval just to have a home that no one could use. It would be for parking. And if they don't have a car, then it would be empty space. I'm sorry, did I hear that right? So if you don't have a car, you're not allowed to use the garage at all. It just has to remain empty. Is that? Are you well, uh, that would be a term of the lease, right? So the, the, the garages are meant for parking of vehicles per the conditions that were written into uh, the conditions of approval for the max uh, with due to a response to the neighbor concerns about parking congestion. Okay, I just want to make sure I heard that right. Um, can we go back to slide seven? Okay, so there's, if I got this right, I didn't go back and watch the Mac meeting because I was trying to get my head around this. Um, the planning director has discretion to impose conditions. Um, so was there a finding made for this section 1754-295 by the planning director in order to invoke these additional conditions? The planning director uh, followed the recommendations of the MAC to uh, provide for, for the parking and in a site development review um, intent if you can pull that up too on the order. Intent of a, a site development review um, has language uh, expressing the purpose of this discretionary review process and lacking formalized uh, findings um, in order to be able to have a decision on a site development review that is uh, reduced in arbitrary discretion. Uh, we follow the intent paragraph of a site development review um, as a means of establishing findings such that, uh, for example, in the intent uh, language uh, typical of a, of a um, RS or a suburban residence zoning district, um, the language states, uh, as is going to be shared on screen here, that um, the intent is for um, We can go further into that maybe after public comment and the um, appellant's um, 
presentation. I did have one other question. I guess this would be for County Council. Is the Planning Commission limited to changing these two conditions of approval, or does it have the authority to change other conditions of approval in this situation? Sure. Well, what's before you is the appeal of those conditions of approval. That's the narrow item that's on the agenda today for you to review those conditions that were opposed that are being appealed. Okay. Well, let's hear from the applicants. The applicant has. Yes, so uh, let's see. So, Christy Ding, you had, uh, we're going to let you talk so you can share your presentation. Okay, sure. I wasn't sure if John wanted to speak first, but um, does this allow me to share my screen also? I'm going to transfer you to be a panelist. So, just hold on. Okay. It'll be. Uh, okay. You covered everything. So you should now be able to share your screen. Okay. So um, as far as showing 50% carports, that's an exercise that we have gone through to show. Um, as far as undue hardship goes, um, we have been working with a structural engineer and this sort of construction would be would add cost to the project. Um, as you can see, just without being a structural engineer, it's a lot of building without support under it. So that would require structural steel to be incorporated into this floor diaphragm um, and for these other walls to be significantly have more structure built into them to make up for this carport space. Um, as far as using the carports for storage, um, as someone pointed out earlier, um, this would create a scenario if someone had one car, which is not uncommon at all, that they would not be able to use uh, their garage as storage, um, which is pretty unusual. I think most everybody would wanna put incidental items like a tennis racket in their garage. Um, so one item that came up was to try to um, eliminate the need for people to want to use um, their garage as primary storage by incorporating something that um, we can design into the project is to incorporate built-in storage into the project in keeping with the two-car garage um, in order to alleviate the tendency for people to fill up the garage with things in a, a messy manner. Um, with efficient shelving and some of these systems I'm showing here, there's, you can really put a lot um, if these things are designed into the project and that would alleviate um, the tendency to, for someone to fill their garage with their storage rather than their car. Um, and I just wanted to point out this scenario here um, where we do show the 50% carport and there's just this tiny, tiny footprint um, for storage, which is pretty undesirable um, as a renter to not even be able to put um, anything in your own garage. Um, so uh, what we're, what I was illustrating here was um, 
and using the full height of the building. There's also potential to put storage racks um, into the ceiling space. Uh, we could offer up something like over 290 cubic feet of storage um, versus something like a broom closet if you had car a carport. Um, so that is what I wanted to propose as something to alleviate the max concerns. That is the end of my comment. I think um, John Sullivan also may have wanted to make some comments as well. Are there any questions? questions? Any questions, commissioners? Okay, thank you. And did you wanna come up? And then can we turn that lectern around in the commission and not? Okay, so um, just on, on the cabling on that is so precarious that we'd been recommended to leave it so that the cables doesn't don't pull out. We got we got uh, IT working on. I see. Okay. Modifying the cables. Yeah, just so long as everyone's facing the commission, not. Uh, Good afternoon, Chairperson Crawford and members of the commission and staff. Um, I'm uh, John Sullivan, a Castro Valley resident, and. Um, I appreciate the fact we were able to, you know, get this appeal accommodated. Um, thing, uh, you know, worked in the um, housing management for so many so long. I quite appreciate your uh, concern about the parking, and um, we feel that these uh, townhouses are an ideal fit, really, for this uh, older, uh, sing mainly single-family, low-density apartments, maybe uh, on Anita Avenue. Um, the site actually adjoins um, to the to the north of it, um, a, a group of uh, condominiums, two bedrooms and three bedrooms with double car garages. So um, consequently, we started off the ball rolling, of course, with looking for double garages on our project here. Um, the concept of the single car garage and then an open space beside it for carport, I think would really, really take from the, you know, from the nice neighbor that we have there in uh, that part of Castro Valley. And we've all seen, I'm sure, the carports from time to time fill up with the old tires, the old car, car parts and uh, miscellaneous bicycles, motorbicycles, whatever. And that in itself um, throws um, parking onto the street, of course. We um, it did provide um, a document which would ultimately be part of the tenant's uh, lease, mandating that they at all times keep the spaces in the middle of the garage, each garage, uh, clear for um, automobiles. And, uh, of course, they would have a press button garage uh, door opener to get away in there. So then to further kind of maybe facilitate all this, we kind of went back to the drawing board. Uh, the architect uh, just to kind of refer to that to see what we could find within the the units itself, the living space, and certainly along the garage for um, uh, space so that people could keep, keep their, what, what they normally would put out in the garage, but not block the parking areas. Um, and then they would be mandated to at all times use their parking spaces, again, with the assistance of the press button um, entry and so forth. So we, we did a, we did try to answer the problems as, as uh, best we could. 
So um, then uh, I guess I'm asking you to uh, get back to where we can have it a double car garage and uh, not have the, the kind of unsightly, I would say, carports. And uh, thanks again for accommodating us. And um, I'm sure that if we have any more <clears throat> questions, they, the architecture will, will be there in the Zoom. Thank you. Okay, let's go ahead and open it up to public comment. I'm sorry, do commissioners have any questions for the applicant? Let's open it up to public comment. Um, do we have anyone online that wants to speak? I do have one speaker card in the room. So right now there's nobody else who's raised their hand online to speak on this item. Oh, actually we do have a, a PD uh, person online who wishes to speak. Do you want to take the person? That's to good. First? Start with them, yeah. I'm sorry, you said the person online first? Yes. Okay. So a uh, person with a name PDBV99, you can go ahead, please. Hello. Yes, I'm Doreen. Sorry about that. That was an old um, acronym from before. Um, I would just like to thank um, the owners the for, you know, considering the fact that we are concerned about the parking on the street and trying to give um, extra storage. I don't believe that will be sufficient in addressing the parking. When they refer to the adjacent property, they do have a two-car garage, but they also have room for everybody to park in front of those garages, where that is not the case of this new property on, on Anita Avenue. Um, I think the, the best way is, um, as it was mentioned, to do a one-covered car garage and a carport. Um, uh, originally, this property was supposed to be eight units, not 11. So that has changed the um, the property's uh, configuration and the parking. I realize they say 22 parking spots will be available. Again, we know that people don't park in their garages when um, they can use it as storage. The storage is so expensive and parking on the street will be free. Um, I would like to, on my behalf, and also Carolyn Atio had sent a letter to the Planning Commission, Roberto Lopez. She addresses the same issue, and I like the the plan of again of just having one parking spot and a carport. I realize there will be additional cost to that, um, and I we apologize for that. It's just that we live on the street and we know what it's like to try to find parking. And with the extra foot traffic, with the two schools and the um, daycare down the street, there are a lot of children who walk the street, who ride their bikes, who cross, and people are still speeding. We have a beautiful new street. So I am looking at getting um, traffic calming devices on the street as well. So trying not to add more cars to that problem. So thank you for listening. We have a speaker card in the room here, Kelly Abreu. I see a design, this design for car. Normally I'm fine with carports, but carports are like a cheap solution, you know, you put through a little roof and no walls or whatever, and very cheap to build. But if you've got an entire house on top of a carport, 
Then you have to hold up the house, as was just explained by the structural engineer or, or whoever that is. And then if you're going to hold up the house, that's why they build walls. And if you build that many walls, then you call it an enclosed garage is how the. And then if you have an enclosed garage, you could put in all this, you know, storage units in the air and on the walls. And, and you could do all that fancy stuff. And people would not come and take your catalytic converters at night. So why are we talking about carports when you've got an entire house of weight on top of this thing and then you're creating an earthquake hazard and all this stuff and a, and a catalytic converters uh, theft magnet and whatever. So this is a crazy carport design. Whenever you have a house, you should not, that was what they did in the old days was put carports on with houses on top. But now we found out that that's really, really bad for earthquakes. It's called the soft uh, first story or whatever you guys call it. Very bad. And why are we even allowing it anymore? And then uh, now let's talk about parking on the street. You know, this public works agency, I don't know if it was 50 years ago or 100 years ago or 10 years ago, but they built this street. And they, there's, this, there's this junk car there parked up on the sidewalk. There's no room. There's, they put literally on this side of the street, they put telephone poles right smack dab in the middle of the sidewalk they have no concept of right of way for pedestrians because they think just whatever then on the other side of the street they put like no parking signs they put 25 mile hour speed limit signs right uh, they put uh, fire hydrants right in the middle of the sidewalk and then sometimes they have no sidewalk and then sometimes the sidewalk is extremely narrow and then sometimes people park their cars very often i would do it park their cars right up and block the sidewalk it's all because of defective, inferior, substandard public street design that Alameda County has been uh, perpetrating upon this residents of this neighborhood for 100 years or whatever, whenever they built this street. And uh, I'm sure when they went back and fixed it, they didn't really fix all these, the whole street, the whole, all these little things. They didn't take the telephone poles and take them out of the the middle of the sidewalk, did they? I, I don't know. I haven't been there yesterday. I'm just looking at a picture from eight, eight, uh, 12 months ago on Google. Man, it, this is a mess. But this is what's all over Castor Valley and everyone's just sitting here going, well, you know, I know how hard it is. It's not it's not, um, you know, a, 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 an act of God, an act of nature, a, con a condition, a natural condition to have a street that's incredibly bad to walk down and hard to park on. Thank you. OK, do we have anyone else online? <laughs> There's nobody else online who's raised their hand. If you're online and you wish to speak on this item, uh, if you're on a computer, you can press the raise hand button at the bottom of your screen. If you're on the phone, you can press star nine and that'll raise your virtual hand for us to acknowledge you. Nobody's raised their hand. Okay, I'm gonna close the public portion. Commissioners, um, once again, was there any questions for the architect or the applicant? Comments? Go ahead. I, I appreciate you guys as applicant going through housing is in, in dire need. Um, your projects like this are something that are going to contribute to helping solve that need. In addition to the citizens that have made some uh, comments about and issues and concerns about what's going on, I think that points to um, other issues within maybe code enforcement on the streets. Uh, if cars are being parked and, and left there. Um, besides, then I'm, gonna, I'm also going to go back into where it said discretion. And I remember a few meetings ago here, we are working as a county to go through something called the objective type standards. 
not expect to solve our housing crisis if you're going to put discretion and subjective type of uh, standards into somebody that's putting together these projects. I also looked through you know, some of these architectural uh, renderings, the, the garages, they make sense. They look better. I think there's a security platform that, that comes into that as well with the garages. Uh, I also have a hard time believing that imposing a, a amendment or requirement in the lease, what's going to be actual constitute uh, true storage of of the garage. I've never seen a garage. I've seen immaculate garages and they still have some type of storage capacity in them. Um, and I, I think that we might have overstepped a little bit. Uh, so I get why the neighbors want what they want. I get why uh, it got here. There's so many waivers that this project has been issued, and it's sure getting the biggest footprint in there you could probably shoehorn in, although I think they've done it pretty well with the accommodations. Um, and it's a really interesting putting in one unit of, of affordability what you get for that. So... No, no commentary except for all these issues being raised are specific plan issues. They're zoning issues. They're not project specific issues. I have a hard time putting additional conditions on the last project to go in that wouldn't have been subject to the project before it. Um, I have a question for staff about the parking. Someone said parking, is it permitted parking on the street? What What's the requirement for accessing that permit? Uh, parking on the street is allowed. It doesn't need a permit. It's allowed. There's no parking. There is parking on the there's, street. I mean, there's no um, restrictions. There's no restriction whatsoever. Correct. I was going to say I'd be comfortable with the substitution of exempting the address from eligibility for a parking permit program. There is no parking permit. Someone would reference that. I can't support the requirement. Soft storage shouldn't be built in California. I'm actually surprised that this meets our, our um, code qualifications. Um, the Impressive engineering if they figured that one out. There's a lot of house above that. I would not feel good voting for that. Um, I also just think it's really capricious and silly. Can I use the word silly to advocate for empty garages or the notions that people have to have a car or can't use? Are we going to start saying people have to put a bed in a second bedroom or they can't have a home office? I mean, that that feels, and we couldn't possibly enforce that condition on a homeowner only on a tenant by requiring a landlord to put in a lease. That's not legal. We couldn't require that same requirement if the property were sold or occupied by the primary owner. So that's also a very interesting kind of second-class citizen thing to put on this housing. Um, I don't think the planning director should have issued the, um, the, I don't think the condition should be approved. I'm happy to support uh, approving this project as was proposed. I do think that the, um, I'm sorry that I'm not following the document closely enough to understand if it's an actual substitute or an if we had to, but I do would like to request that if it were to be to my colleagues, um, chagrin to not require the carport that we somehow do require the comprehensive storage solution that was being proposed by the um, landlord as a compromise, as the architect, I think that would be very nice. 
I think it would be an effort towards addressing that. I also just don't think people decide to not park in their garage and walk to the street to store things. I mean, that's just not, people like parking in their garage. People do incredible things to park in their garage. And I think they should have that choice when they pay the rent. Thank you. Um, I get, I have, <laughs> I have a number of issues with this. Uh, so let me go back to a question I had earlier. So we can't change any other conditions of approval. Are we allowed to add any conditions of approval? This item on our agenda is for consideration of the appeal. Correct. It's not before you in any other context today. Correct. I get that. So my that leaves my question unanswered in the sense that can we add conditions of approval? I've seen the Board of Soups do it on appeals all the time. So, I mean. I thought we couldn't. Yeah. My understanding is that it's you may be appealing these two, but all of the conditions are up for grabs. Well, my concern right now is what has been agendized and what the public has notice of today. And if we're going to go beyond what is on the today's agenda, that's problematic. Okay. I, that part makes sense. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I'm not sure the Board of Soups actually adheres to that uh, standard, to be honest with you. Um, I've attended a number of appeals at the Board of Soups in the last 20 years and seen them pretty much do whatever they want. And I'm not suggesting that we have the power that they do, um, but we are only one step below them. So let, let me move on. Um, so this thing about parking, I, yeah, I don't live too far away, so <laughs> Anita Avenue is congested, there's no question. The concerns of the neighbors are legitimate. But what I'm trying to get, what I'm trying to figure out is, does the parking comply or not? So parking complies with the, uh, the waiver or the exemptions that they requested. It does not comply with the zoning ordinance pre-density uh, bonus uh, exemptions. Then what, what standard are we applying here? Are we applying the density bonus standard? Yes. yes. Okay. Then why are we adding four conditions that are like a whole new level of government intrusion? So again, this was a response by the MAC to the community concern yes. that they recommended be added. And yes. so it was added to the site review approval uh, to, to uh, for example, um, other conditions are typical in uh, stating that whether it's a rental or if it's part of an HOA, that HOAs would write into the the the, the uh, bylaws that parking uh, a garage would be used for parking a vehicle. Any additional area would be obviously used for storage, but you need to provide the nine foot by eighteen foot space for parking of vehicles. Again, any additional area inside a garage obviously used for storage. Um, or other uses as the resident sees fit. In an HOA situation. And and a rental situation. And, okay, but you just said earlier that if somebody wasn't parking a car in their garage, they can't use the garage for anything. It has to remain empty. So so the, the rental agreement would be garage is meant for parking a vehicle. Uh, that's what would be in the rental agreement. And again, that's what has been run into prior 
conditions of approval to be transferred onto rental agreements, to be transferred into HOA agreements. Uh, enforcement of that would be uh, either the landlord or the housing association. Um, if if they did not have vehicles to park, then it would be uh, subject to the landlord or the association to see to it if they if they choose to enforce it. the The response is meant to be to uh, the concern for for congestion. In addition to that, um, written into a contract or written into a a, a, a lease agreement uh, condition. Um, from from the Mac, part of the question was, is there any physical um, alteration to the design that would make it um, more desirable to park or or result in parking as opposed to using the entirety of the space for storage? And so one of the uh, uh, solutions uh, offered was, well, if you make this into a carport because it's not fully enclosed, then it would be used for parking as opposed to full storage. If if this is uh, not what this commission wants to see happen, then, then obviously you can remove those conditions. Um, that would be the condition you remove. The, the the four conditions were to were meant to to establish that it would be used for parking. If you want to remove those, the two of those four conditions that talk about the physical improvements, then obviously you can. If you wanted to re remove the conditions that talk about the limitations on the contract, uh, then that would be part of what what you're looking into uh, as a potential decision at today's hearing. Um, so, so those are the options before you today. Uh, okay, but it sounds like you don't agree with County Council in the last statement there as far as if we want to look into the conditions in the contract. That, so you're, and, and I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm just trying to make sure I'm in sync with, you know, what what, what this is. Um, so, to chair, wherever you, uh, let, me, let, me try, let me try to get mine answered first. Go ahead. <laughs> my understanding that the appeal is multiple conditions set by the planning director, right? Conditions number 19 and 22. You have the discretion to grant the appeal in part for one of those conditions or deny it for one of those conditions to your liking. You can make that ruling today, but only make a decision today based on what is in the appeal itself. You can't put other conditions on this project today that are outside of what is being appealed. I, I believe what staff was trying to articulate that you could try to do this piecemeal if that was to your liking based on what was being appealed specifically. Okay. Um, I'm still a little fuzzy. I understand what you're saying. Um, I'm still trying to get at is the park, does the parking comply or not? So, so if the parking complies, why is there being conditioned? I get that the neighborhood wants it. I get that the Mac has some kind of phobia about people storing things in their garage, which I'm sure they do uh, on, a, on a regular basis. I did watch the meeting, so I, I witnessed all that. And this is not the first time that this has come up. Um, does the parking comply or not? Yes. Okay. Then why are we adding conditions of approval to mitigate parking that complies? To, to follow the max recommendation. Okay, but the max recommendation is an error, is it not? Because it's the same situation. So I, I it's so, kind of like, so, so, so what kind of rule, I mean, what kind of rules do you have here? So any cockamamie idea that comes up in uh, a public hearing gets written into the conditions of approval because this whole concept that you 
can't use your garage except to park a vehicle in it is ridiculous. And nobody in that Mac hearing does that. So to apply that standard to the people that are going to live here just seems ludicrous to me. So again, so uh, the, the condition does not limit the number of units. It does not limit the area dedicated for either residential or parking. Uh, it was an accommodation to uh, to the concern raised by the MAC and voted on by the MAC. Um, and so the plan director uh, and staff chose to to follow it uh, after consultation, make sure that we were not violating the um, the uh, the the direction from both the state and in our local ordinances that we cannot establish any rules that would limit the allowable density on on a project. So this, the condition does not limit the allowable density. And so if if this commission thinks that it's gone too far, um, then that's fine. Then you can reverse that decision. Um, however, it's not against the law to impose that condition had you considered that it was not going um, too far because it does not uh, limit the uh, number of units. It does not limit the uh, floor area dedicated to either residential or to other other uses. So, so in that sense, it does follow state mandate, and it does follow um, the the or, or zoning ordinance as it applies. Um, that that uh, discretion that is left uh, as to the uh, physical articulation of the parking area. Um, you can choose to say no. We we are are happy with the two car garage, and and whether people choose to park there or not is is not the county's business, and that could be the decision you make. Uh, and I, and I my comments are based on all four conditions, you know, uh, and and the the justification for those conditions. I'm trying to get a sense of how this is going to apply moving forward, because uh, it seems like staff is so far out in left field on this. Um, I mean, as far as the lease goes, I don't understand why the planning department, the planning director feel that they need to put themselves into a contract between two private parties. And we don't, we don't have the situation. If these were ownership units, we wouldn't have, you wouldn't have this restriction to this level. Um, and I don't, I don't think that whatever we haven't seen a draft of that because I guess because I guess it's not part of the appeal or whatever, but it doesn't by doing that, you you create a whole bunch of other problems. And what sort of storage can you have in there? Um, you know, can you use it? You know, how do you enforce it? You're, it's never going to get enforced. So it's like, what what's the point? The one about the garbage that the applicant is supposed to get enter into a contract with waste management to pick up the garbage on site. Okay, I've been a landlord and I've never heard of waste management wanting to enter into a contract with private property owners on specifically how they're going to pick up their garbage. Their contract is with the sanitary district to do it in a certain way, and that's how they do it. And waste management hasn't serviced Castro Valley for like five years. So that condition's meaningless because that's not even the vendor that serves Castro Valley. Uh, so you see what I'm saying? This is just, and, and, this is all being done because supposedly the parking isn't sufficient. So either the parking complies or it doesn't. That's that's my concern here. Because Mac was going there, the neighborhood's going there because there's this assumption that the parking is insufficient. And if they're if they're five and a half spaces over what the state requires, 
how does the local jurisdiction justify these, you know, intrusive conditions? And especially let's, let's talk about the carport for a second. Yeah. You're, you're creating a soft story, which we don't build anymore. And you're lowering the quality of the construction because if you ask anybody whether they would want a one-car garage and a one-car carport or a two-car garage, they're going to tell you they want a two-car garage. Anybody's going to make that. I mean, it would be so odd for somebody to, to choose the other. So not only are the buildings ugly with the carport, they're unsafe from a seismic standpoint. And we just don't build like that anymore. So for staff to say, no, you have to build it that way is just really concerning to me. It's like, I guess, why isn't this coming to the planning condition commission for approval, a project of this size? Because if this is the direction that staff is going to be heading in in the future, that to me, that's just very concerning. I mean, to, to mandate inferior construction because of a maybe a legitimate concern about parking. But if the parking complies, I don't see how you're adding conditions to, to, to mitigate non-compliant parking. So anyway, you had a question? I tail in right on some of your comments. I I believe again that there's obviously issues with the parking and the code enforcement of that parking. What are the rules? Can you park a car on the street indefinitely? Uh, per the vehicle code, you can park at seventy two hours on the street. Um, yes. Well, that's not indefinitely, but uh, I guess what I'm getting at is imposing these conditions on people that are trying to build stuff, provide housing, because somewhere in the lack of form, I don't know whose responsibility it is to do the code enforcement on the streets, but that needs to happen. If cars are being parked there for weeks at a time, they need to be, and I don't know whose department that is, but sure. it's, the sheriff's office. it's hard to turn around and try to mitigate the fact on the people building the, the properties and it's an injustice to the rest of the people that are around there. Um, I don't know how we impose that on the people building the property for the lack of code enforcement. Uh, and I, you know, I, I was a little glib earlier, but I would say I understand the neighbor concerns. I'd have similar concerns if this bigger project was going next to me and I thought it was going to be two houses. I get it. Uh, but we, we increasingly, as we do this infill, denser housing, are running into the situation where the last project gets all the blame for all the other problems in the neighborhood. And especially places like Castro Valley, where it's not a city, but it's kind of hard to tell why it isn't a city. It doesn't have a lot of the services or parking permits that impacted parking areas would have elsewhere. That's something I think we need to look at in the general plan and something we need to look at in the specific plans because our tools are not at the disposal of the planning commission in these situations or staff for that matter. Um, but I just, I can't get over how unsafe this would be and kind of Mark's point about that really resonates with me. Also, if we're going to do something crazy, like say you can't use your garage except for cars, then why can't you do that for a two-car garage that's still better, cheaper construct? I just think... The carport thing, never in the history of carports has ever, anyone ever wanted one. Um, so I just, that that's just very weird to me. I, 
Um, I actually really understand the uh, trash can requirement here. I mean, I think it's funny that it's with the wrong agency and that's not how that stuff works. And I don't know if the sanitary district provides off curb. A lot of them do for an additional fee. Additional fee in Berkeley is like $180 a month to have them pull it from your backyard. So I don't know what it is for Castro Valley Sanitary. Um, I can understand not wanting to add to the 60 square footage in front of this project. Um, what would it be? 33 trash cans? I was only going to be two per. It'd be well, 22, waste. which is still ridiculous. Blue, green, purple, pink, whatever they end up with. So I don't I don't know about that condition. We're being told we can't even look at it. I'm happy to, to strike the conditions. I just don't see how they're here. I, I just really don't understand. I mean, Albert's not here to speak to it, but I just I don't see how they got put through. I really don't understand. I can I can speak to that because it is a response. Again, it, it was uh, uh, the concern about having the trash cans out front, all individual, and and whether they're they are composting plus recycling plus the trash, the trash can makes perfect sense to me i mean i don't understand the carports right um and i and i don't think that this is a large enough complex to go to dumpsters and the, and the way it's spread out that would sure be annoying to have to walk to one end uh, or the we other. haven't done that in a long time the blight that town, these are townhouses not apartments no these are apartments but the we haven't had centralized dumpsters in a long time because of the blight that it creates right. so it's been trash cans I, I'll be honest with you. I would tell staff it'd be nice going forward for us to incorporate, like, where do the trash cans go? Because people don't want them in their garage in the summer when it's hot and maybe they eat a lot of seafood or something. Those things get pretty nasty. So they end up sitting outside, you know, the whole time. So I, I think Commissioner or Councilmember Carboni's comment about incorporating that in the carport was actually spot on, even though I don't agree with having a carport. Um, you know, he made a pretty good point on that. So the the gate between this driveway and the existing property is that an emergency vehicle access gate because it one of the photos kind of looked like it was a gate. So is it open all the time or is it just emergency vehicle gate or what's the deal with that? Do we it's for emergency vehicle access? Okay, so is it a gate that's closed unless the fire department opens it? Correct. Okay, so. We're mandating that fire trucks drive down this little driveway here to pick up all the garbage cans. How's the garbage truck get out? It backs up 200 feet and then backs out into Anita with a bunch of kids walking to school. And somehow that's a safer concept than having the garbage carts out front on Anita. Yeah, no. Um, my understanding was that the garbage truck was going to do the loop, but it's only a, it... unless they have a Knox key. Checking on that. And so the applicants here as well to to have that answer, but uh, originally it was it was meant to be emergency vehicle access. Should the um, garbage, in fact, uh, be able to access the site, then it would be obviously having uh, there would be the necessity to have that gate open for for uh, garbage access as well. Right, but in staff's zeal to penalize the applicant for compliant parking, we don't have that, correct? We don't have a condition of approval that if there is a gate there, it remain open or that there be no gate. So what we've mandated and don't have the ability to fix today 
is this whole situation with the garbage truck. We're mandating the garbage truck back up 250, 300 feet upon picking up all the garbage carts and emptying them. And that's two to three trucks because each truck only picks up recycle or garbage. Yeah, it would, it would, it would mandate that. Um, of three schools in proximity to this property. So that, so then that, that could be a condition that, that could be eliminated um, from, from the board. <laughs> okay. County council is looking at you like, no, you can't. Then, so, then so I'll tell you what I'd like to ask, and I don't know if this is possible. I'm just going to ask it anyway. Is it possible? Is it possible to continue this item and rehear it with the ability to change the conditions to something that is more appropriate? Because the way it, it's a mess. I'm sorry, it's a mess. A to like clean up half the mess and leave the other half of the mess. Yes, we would notice it to to have conditions. Um, that would pretty much reopen the hearing for to look at the 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 broader uh, application. So can we continue it to the next planning commission meeting? Because I know you guys love to cancel our meetings and wait like two months and keep applicants waiting, um, like the next application on our agenda, actually. Um, so I'm asking, is it theoretically possible that we could continue this to two weeks from now and notice it so that the commission could consider all the conditions of approval in order to do some cleanup. So uh, let's see. So it's a 10 day review. Uh, we're at the 16th. This one in February is the fifth. It's 20 days. It's almost yeah. three weeks. And all you got to do is come up with a new notice verbiage. We're not asking for a new staff report. We can do it. I would suggest commissioners keep their staff report and just reuse it. So today you're you're voting to continue? Um, I was asking the question and ask commissioners yet. <laughs> I would agree with that. I'd be super happy just to strike the conditions that approve it and let them figure out if they want to appeal the other stuff themselves. I think the time to appeal, because this was heard by the MAC in August. So how we got six months elapsed since the Mac, you know, hearing may, makes no sense to me, but they can't appeal. Their appeal period's over. Well, they can go to the board of supervisors over the trash cans if they want to. It's the only other thing. I know, but is that a better use of time to send them to the board of soups for something we can clean up ourselves? They used to mind. Well, you're you're going to be here anyway, <laughs> <laughs> or you don't you don't have to be here. Maybe I mean, I have I have I have no I have no problem with approving it with the um, conditions struck. But if others would like to look at it more fully, I'm fine with that too. Okay, I just don't want to get into a habit, which I understand why this happened last time. I really just don't want to get into a habit of us hearing things multiple times. Well, I do want to get in the habit of having things correct when they get here, or at least fixable. That's also true. That's all I'm looking for. I'd prefer that. Happy to I know happy I know you would. I know you would. And anything we do is going to need all four of our our votes. So I'm going to make a motion that we continue this to the next planning commission meeting on February 5th. Are you sure of that date, Rodrigo? Um let's look see. at the calendar. Make sure it's not a county holiday no, no, here. Okay. Second. Second. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed. Motion carries four zero.
Continue a strong enough motion. I want us to continue the same item and then be told that we continued it exactly and can't. I think I made that sentiment clear to staff. Do I need do I need that verbiage in the motion? To continue so that it's for the purpose of uh, reviewing all, all of the conditions of approval. Right. Um, so I'll I'll make another motion to, to clean that up. That we um, the reason for it and that the verbiage be put in the notice that the planning commission uh, reconsider all of the conditions of approval for the project. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed. Motion carries 4-0. I'd like to ask the chair to consider um, and consult with staff or with the chair, chair that uh, we ask planning staff to adapt a standard practice that noticing includes the ability of the... Uh, I would actually go one step further on that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, and maybe that this should be under chair comments later. Um, but I think projects of this size should come to the planning commission for approval as opposed to planning director approval. It's, it, it, I, I think track maps, which are five units or more come to the planning commission on a residential basis, but a multifamily project that's 11 does not, it's, you know, I would think if it's five units or more multifamily, it should come to the planning commission as well, but that's a discussion for another day. But I think if we need to put that on our agenda, well, I'll just bring it up at the end. Anyway, moving on to item two, PLN 2022-183, Vesting Track Map Subdivision, Creston Development, Greenwood and more. Can we have the staff report on this item? It's light up here. Huh? Do the lights turn on? Ronnie, use your phone. Well, you haven't turned on the light. Use your phone. Can we have staff turn on the light on the dais, please? Lights. The lights on over here. Would be nice. I think they have it off because of the overhead. They, they can't. Yeah, I can't read it. Thank you. Appreciate. Hello, this is the um, the staff uh, report for uh, PLN 2022-183, track map uh, TR68655. Uh, this is a, um, a subdivision of involving four uh, parcels of approximately two acres into uh, nine residential lots and under the property that's uh, zoned R1 CSURV and designated um, R1 single family in the general plan. Uh, this is a this is a 
a um, schematic map of the project site off of Center Street between Sargent Avenue and Edwards Lane. <clears throat> and uh, shown is an aerial map of the site with the, of, of note, a drainage area to the west uh, on the far side from Center Street frontage. This project is categorically exempt under Section 15183, uh, in that primarily in that it's um, it's consistent with the established uh, zoning and general plan policies, uh, and there were there were no project specific effects um, peculiar to the site that uh, for which the uh, Castor the environmental impact report certified for the Castor Valley general plan did not analyze. Uh, and and uh, that there are uh, additionally, there are not more severe impacts than anticipated by the uh, Castor Valley General Plan. This, this uh, uh, project, this application came to the commission in early December, and we're after a discussion. the The commission continued the item to so that could return with a private street option uh so just just briefly the the the, the private street option um includes uh seven on street spaces uh and which is a reduction for the nine for the public street and and a hammerhead width of of 25 feet uh, reduced from the 30 foot hammerhead for the public street the uh, um, maintenance of the of the roadway would be the responsibility of the project HOA uh, as opposed to the county, and uh, there would be there would be a private street entrance off of center, which is more of a of a straight driveway um, rather than a a public street intersection as proposed uh, with the original design. here see the uh, hammerhead turnaround the um, uh, seven parking spaces on the south side of the access road additionally there's a sidewalk on on the south side only uh, that provides a, additional additional area for the for the additional residential development area on lots um, eight and nine as well as uh, a reduction in the in the area of the um, of the impervious surface, and then um, finally the the intersection off of Center Street, as shown, is a straight uh, driveway entrance with uh, three uh, parking spaces, and I believe there's space for a fourth uh, to be shown on Center Street as well. Uh, this is this is the previous public street proposal for comparison purposes, showing the wider the wider hammerhead, the the um, nine vehicle spaces, um, two sidewalks, and the um, and the public street um, intersection with center. Additionally, staff staff would recommend as before the um, a replacement. Uh, 
for the re for the removed trees of at least one to one, and of course permitting for the drain outfalls uh, from the um, hydro modification facilities, which would be maintained by the uh, HOA. Um, staff no longer recommends the uh, additional setbacks for the second for the second floors on the north side for lots uh, seven, eight, and nine uh, as this as this places additional development constraints that that are already um, uh, constrained by development standards. Uh, this is a brief um, or a uh, street view of the property frontage and uh, the existing conditions indicate, you know, um, several residential structures as well as trees that are uh, closer toward uh, Center Street on the relative eastern end of the of the grouping of four parcels that would be removed. And uh, just a brief uh, snapshot of existing drainage conditions that found on the west side of the property. And and the view toward that same riparian area uh, from uh, about the, the midpoint of the project site. That concludes uh, staff presentation of the of the staff report and staff and the and the applicant are available online. Thank you. Any questions for staff? Commissioners? Do we have any speakers on this item? Alan Alleman with his hand raised. Alan, if uh, you can unmute yourself, you can go ahead and speak. Yeah, can you hear me? Great. Um, I, I'd first like to thank the commission for allowing me to speak. I'm a 20-year resident uh, of Castor Valley and own a home that abuts the property in question. There are three issues that I'd like to raise. The first is the modified setback requirement. And uh, again, the staff just referenced this in their presentation. The second is a disputed property line. And the third is that this properly, property is currently in disrepair. And I'd like to like not create any issue where like we ask code enforcement to enforce a, a issue and then it be forgiven or, or ignored because they're eventually going to uh, um, you know modify this property in the future regarding the setback requirement specifically on lot eight of the track map, in order to crowd the additional house into the site plan, they rotated the house so it's not facing the main street. So much so that the driveway can't even fit into the supposed front of the house. Instead of, instead of the standard 20 foot setback, they're reducing it to only six feet. And we saw in the staff's presentation that they're looking to even reduce the second floor setback further, even closer to the property line. That's essentially in my backyard. There, there's going to be a towering house looking into my backyard. Um, so that's the first one. The second one is the property lines disputed. And a neighbor had the property line surveyed and found that the current fence is three feet off of the actual property line. I asked that the property, property line be surveyed and those findings be supplied to the affected neighbors. And then the third piece was the current fence that is up is in disrepair. 
it's falling over. It's a hazard. And if we're going to wait for a year or two for this to get built, we need to have that fence replaced in the meantime so it's not a hazard. I'm, all I'm asking is that the commission not permit the property owners to Im ignore immediate code violations just so they uh, can plan to build this, uh, build a new fence in the future. And that's what I have. Thank you. Do we have any other speakers uh, on online? I do have. There's nobody else with their hand raised, no. Okay, so I have, looks like two here in the room. Kelly Abreu. Um, you know, if the property, if all these maps are based on a property uh, survey or whatever on assumptions about the property size that are wrong, then maybe they should, uh, if, if they're making drawings and things about, or accepting drawings about how to build things based on the wrong areas and the wrong dimensions, maybe they should send out the county surveyors. They have a whole survey department here. County surveyors should go out there and, and, and make sure that everything is, you know, this is kind of a rough question, you know, it doesn't, it's, they're not really asking for a lot of, this is like simple survey work, I think. Probably they have advanced surveyors here, they know how to do all this stuff. Then um, that way we, uh, so, I mean, if there are people are using the wrong maps and somebody's going to say, well, you know, the county said it was okay. They told us to build, you know, the house two inches over the property line or whatever the county says. Um, and then uh, when, when you're building, when you're looking at public versus private streets, you you have this uh, uh, tremendous, uh, you know, it's kind of like Boeing. You know, if we push out the airplanes faster, uh, and we build these private streets, and we cut the short the construction costs, we cut the space requirements. What's not to like? And what's not to like is I'll give you an example. There's a community college somewhere that shall go unnamed, and they have uh, they they have a, a, a two huge roads, and they're both private streets. As soon as you go into their campus, it's the private streets. And they have uh, things like uh, buses and garbage trucks going up there. In fact, they have regular bus lines going up and down. So when you have a, a, a development that you approve with and you tell the garbage trucks to go in, you know what the heaviest things are on the streets that do the most damage to, pu to public or private streets is buses and garbage trucks. And if you tell the garbage truck to drive on the driveway, you're gonna smash the hell out of that driveway. I, pr I promise you that. Um, and the more garbage trucks and the more buses, the more it gets smashed. And if you go to that uh, community college, uh, and I went there yesterday, and it's that road is all beat up. And they have an HOA or they have a, a board of trustees and they have a, a bond measure and they have a, 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 you know, they have their own police force. They have their own uh, campus facility. They have everything. And that road is still a piece, it's it's very, very poor condition. It's a poor pavement condition index on their private road. So when you, 30 years from now, when all these private streets you build, and it happens over and over again, we, we rely on the private parties to maintain, and the only people you can rely on to maintain is actually the public works agency and the, uh, the, the government, because these private parties have done, shown themselves to do a lousy, lousy, lousy job of building and maintaining streets, and they build them too small, they build too few sidewalks, all these things, but just for the maintenance aspect, and you cannot build, put streets out there that aren't maintained. Thanks.
Ian, did you want to come up or you want to just come up based on need? Hi, I'm Ryan Dorward at Greenwood and Morris, a once on this project. Uh, I want to thank you guys for uh, starting the conversation last time we were here regarding the private versus public street. And we made a few tweaks to the plan and brought it back here as a private street option. So we're looking forward to present that to you guys. Uh, I think this is a great infill project uh, for the much needed housing we need. Um, I'm here to kind of answer questions or address any concerns or questions the public may have. You know, I can start addressing comments or concerns now, or I can wait till the end, or whatever you guys prefer. Uh, is there any questions or concerns for the engineer? Question. On lot eight, the lot the neighbor called in about the setback, what's the, um, on the shared line, what's the back of the house? Is that a bedroom, a living room? Really aren't having been houses designed for the shed, and I believe that's the side of the house because the front is actually fronting uh, Center Street, so that would be the side setback, which is six, which is typically 10% of the lot width. Right. Um, I can't really comment on the second story setback. That might be something Damien or potentially Rodrigo can comment on. Um, so depending on which way the house faces, uh, the when a house is constructed, the second story is supposed to be 80% floor of the first story. And so part of that additional setback would be along a side property line. So depending on which way the house is oriented, it could be that the house uh, orientation based on the lot orientation is that the side of the house and therefore the side of the property faces the the common property line to the neighbor. So that's why it's a reduced setback. However, on this second story would be a, a slightly larger uh, based on the 80%, what we call the 80% rule. Thanks, Brian. We'll call you up if there's any other questions for him. Oh, God. Brian, I guess we have one more question. Sorry. Um, so I just want to take this opportunity to circle back on my question from December 4th and ask if there's any updates on the community. I just wanted to circle back on my question from December 4th, if there's any updates on designating any ADA parking in the community. Single family residential subdivision. I don't think there has to be ADA parking for this project. If, if it were multifamily, then an ADA uh, parking space would definitely be required. Thanks, Brian. Commissioner, comments? We're just doing the tracks map today. Will the, will, the, will the houses themselves come back to us or only if additional variances are requested? So uh, houses would not come back to you. They would be uh, built um, if lacking any variance requirement, right. which right now it's being set up such that no variance is needed. They would go straight to building permits. Then also, um, let's talk about lot lines. When it comes to disputed lot lines, what's the planning commission's obligation? We aren't the arbiters of that. So we assume that the maps being presented are correct. And if... So everybody okay. relies on the license of a, a licensed surveyor that presents the the subdivision. And if there's any dispute, it's a civil dispute. Exactly. So we make our decision based on what's in front of us. Based on the license. Yes. Relying on the, the license of the surveyor. And my last momentary question is, um, we have the, you know, generally there's not a lot of wiggle room on which way a lot's oriented, but there is 
for corner lots sometimes. What's so, the general guidelines on corner lots? So the ordinance states that the narrower frontage will be the front yard. So in a rectangular corner lot, the narrower frontage is is the is the front lot line, and from there you establish the front yard setback. Opposite that, that the rear yard, and then the longer of the two street frontages is your street side yard, and then opposite that is the interior side yard. It's only when you have a square that you get to choose your front, or when you have two parallel frontages. If it, if a lot is a through lot, meaning it goes from from um, 165th to 166th, then you can choose your front yard and then and then you're okay. ready. So lot eight is just being addressed and oriented pursuant to standard. There's no variance or right. weirdness going on there. That's just exactly what it should be. Right. So so whenever there's, for example, the the fire department's turnaround area counts as as a, an easement, which counts as a private street, and therefore that grants it frontage on that narrower frontage thank you so much so yeah i'd like to bring the commission up on kind of what's occurred since the last hearing we had on this because i had brought up a number of issues the public versus private that sort of thing as i started looking into it a little bit further i ran into a few things um on the public versus private the first thing i ran into was the fire department uh, was evidently requiring um, that the street be at least 26 feet wide all the way out to Center Street. And the state fire code mandates that the street widen to 26 feet and 20 feet each direction of a fire hydrant. Um, but unfortunately, our um, fire marshal, uh, Bonnie Tara, likes to uh, come up with fire code items that she just comes up with herself that have nothing to do with the state fire code. And that was one of them. I met with the fire chief. Um, I met with her, him on this similar situation on other projects going back um, several years, even to the last fire chief, because this is an ongoing problem. Um, and so those, those, there was another item where that the fire hydrants had to flow 1,500 gallons per minute, um, which is impossible to obtain uh, with East Bay Mud because East Bay Mud does not... Um, basically upgrade their water facilities so you get what you get in some cases it might only be a couple hundred gallons um, we have situations in castor valley where you can't even flush a toilet on a second floor because you only have 16 pounds of pressure coming into the house um, and the state fire code requires 500 gallons per minute at the fire hydrant for structures less than 3600 feet and that would include the garage area in that calculation. Uh, so I met with the fire chief. Uh, he made sure that these got corrected. I did confirm with county staff uh, that that was corrected. So that was the first issue. The other one was this sort of this bigger issue of um, public works requiring public streets. And as I looked into that further, I got I got told at one point that public works was basically requiring public streets on anything over five lots or more, which I think is a ridiculous standard. Um, obviously, I think we do need to come up with a standard at some point. Um, but my position was that I was unable to find anything that gave public works the authority to mandate public versus private streets. And I actually met with the engineer at the uh, Public Works that, you know, looks at these improvement plans when Brian draws something up that this is the gentleman at the county that plan checks it. And he said that they do not require, they 
encourage. And so I looked at some conditions of approval and it literally did say that. Um, so why the planning department is um, deferring to public works on this question and why the planning department is telling people that public works makes the decision um, is incorrect. It makes no sense to me that that's occurring. Um, so I felt like we needed to, this was something maybe the planning commission needed to get into to make sure that this was not, you know, out of control puts us, you know, like I said before, I mean, do we need to go back through the sites inventory and reevaluate all of our uh, development yields on those? If we're going to inflict this public street standard on projects this small. Um, and I don't think that's necessary. Actually, the uh, director of public works was on vacation through the holidays and I did talk to him and I said the same thing to him. I said, I don't believe that you have the authority to require a public street. You're the keeper of the specifications. You're the plan checker of the plans, but you're not, I mean, I, I think that resides with the planning department and the planning commission and he agreed. So I, I don't think that this should be an issue going forward. Uh, might be necessary to sort of keep an eye on it to make sure it's, it is kind of settled at this point. Um, and so I think the changes that uh, that the applicant made as far as, you know, making it a private street is uh, is better. Um, the one thing that I would there's a couple of things that I think need to be cleaned up still. The um, at the end of the staff report is the resolution. And in that resolution is the conditions of approval. This is like the last five or six pages of the staff report. And these pages aren't. Actually, they are numbered um, so on page five of nine of attachment C, condition of approval 16 states public street entrance and turnaround areas shall be developed as shown on exhibit C. So obviously we need to change that to private street. That never got done. Uh, the next sentence of 16, the, the street shall provide a minimum of nine guest parking spaces. And we saw from the staff presentation that the required parking uh, for a private street is seven guest parking spaces. So we kind of need to be accurate there on 18. Um, the second sentence, the proposed name for the public street shall be cleared through the planning department. And obviously that needs to be changed to private as well. Um, so I think with those cleanup items, um, that'll take care of that. And then I would I would recommend um, another condition of approval that pertains to note number six on the plan here, um, C 2.3, and it relates to where the driveways are for lots seven, eight, and nine. Um, and I, I had a conversation with Rodrigo about this. We kind of looked at it online at one point. Uh, the, the problem that we have with lot eight, lots like lot eight, is, is maybe this developer doesn't build all these out. Maybe they sell the lots off. Somebody comes along and they want to put a house on lot eight and they want to run, run the driveway in on that long side. Okay. And the problem is what's happened in the past is you, they come back for a variance because it doesn't work. Um, they don't have, end up having a driveway apron, a 20 foot driveway apron in front of the garage that's usable. It's, it's just a really poor design. Um, and these lots are not, you know, they're not 5,000 square feet. They're bigger. So you actually have a lot of, you have a lot of wiggle room, but I'd like to see us add a condition of approval because, and make it condition 42 
that the driveway entrances for lots seven, eight, and nine shall be what is shown on the site plan C 2.3. Um, because uh, those driveways, as, as everybody know, kind of point this out here, nurse. So here's the driveway that goes into this lot. So you're insured to have a 20 foot apron in front of it. Here's the driveway that goes into this lot. And then the, the lot nine, the driveway comes in off of center street where you also have a 20 foot setback. So, so the idea is since you have a 20 foot setback in that area, you automatically have a 20 foot apron in front of the garage. Um, and you don't have somebody coming back to get a variance to do some ridiculous looking house that just should never be approved um, by the Mac and the BZA. I, I literally sat there and watched the Mac approve one of these once. And I'm just like, <laughs> we need to, we need to correct this in design in lot configuration and so you know it doesn't have the potential so i i would i would recommend that we have condition 42 as i stated and then i would add to that condition if there's any changes to that it comes back to the planning commission for approval other than that i think we could approve it as condition i, I went pretty fast there is there any I think specifying the driveways is astute. I also think saying this is the track map and this shall be the track map is what track maps are supposed to be for. Uh, I'm just curious how that interacts with something like SB9 or SB10 on lot splitting. Like in parcel 8, 9, V lot split. There, yes. And then what would that do? We then have the driveway specified for one, but not for the other. So depending on the configuration, yeah, if you end up in, for example, in lot eight with a second parcel uh, due to SB9, then you would need a separate access point in addition to the access point that Commissioner Crawford laid out for, for this condition of approval. Thanks. I'm going to file that under future problems, but I wanted to have that understanding. Um, I just want to talk about the private public street. I'm fine with this reconfiguration. I just also appreciate Commissioner Crawford's diligence in those conversations. It's good to know that we have that authority and are not bound by the recommendations. I don't know that I want the authority. I want there to be a standard. Right. And, and maybe there needs to be a junior public street. I mean, sort of ostensibly a long driveway for eight houses, and I don't think it should have the same standard as a through street. Um, and then it might be simpler, but it's not really a service, I don't think, to the cost for the developer. For us to constantly be trying to figure it out, it just seems like there should be a standard or a set of standards or a rubric or with some discretion, but it should be, it shouldn't be a conversation on each project, I don't think. And it makes such a difference on these. We see these projects all the time, the long lot fill in, and it makes such a difference if that's wider or not on in terms of the lots. And then you, you might get a better outcome and it makes it longer. And it just, it, it seems like there could be a better process there because we could focus on other things. Otherwise I'm fine with this as it is. I think we talked about a lot of the other concerns I would just say that I hope whoever designs the um, 
house for lot eight would take into consideration and possibly lot nine, the neighbors. There's a lot of easy things to do there in terms of window placement and design features that could maintain the privacy of a shared yard while still being close. I mean, the property has the right to be there, but you can be a good neighbor when you build and I hope you will be. Thank you. Other comments? And I'm gonna go ahead and make the motion Okay, so the recommendation states the two project alternatives take testimony. So is the two project alternatives, the public street versus private street? Is that what we're talking about or is that? Okay. Um, so I didn't really see the conditions of approval or the staff report laid out that way. Um, am I missing something here? I mean, I made those corrections to the staff report that alluded to a public street. Uh, I don't believe the conditions of approval are set up for two project alternatives. Am I missing something? There is the um, attachment C and the attachment B. Uh, it, those were two two separate separate resolutions. So it'd be attachment B uh, for the for the private street. So 16, attachment B also reads public street. So I guess I'm back to where I started on my question here. And here, here's what I'm gonna do. Um, hopefully I don't make a mess of this. I'm gonna use attachment C because it looks like, so is attachment B and C the same? I mean, condition 19 on B and C are the same. They both say public street, so. What am I missing here? Uh, that that there were that there was also language um, for the um, uh, for the HOA responsibilities and and the uh, where's that? So for uh, under attachment B, the um, uh, the first the first first condition references the um, um, nine residential lots with the private street access from Center Street, and number two, 
that the uh, homeowners association is responsible for maintenance of stormwater facilities and infrastructure within the private right of way so that would include including the the roadway okay so you want attachment c name Condition one, I do see the difference on condition one. Attachment C talks about a public street. Okay, so. <laughs> All right, let's go back to, uh, so let's, I'm going to make my motion based on attachment C. I'm going to still make a change to condition 16 on attachment B to read private street. And seven guest parking spaces because attachment B currently reads public street with nine. Um, and then on number 18 to change the name of the street to a private street and not public is 18 the same. Okay. 18 second sentence change public to private. Lots of things to consider. So going back to the staff recommendation, so the project alternative, I'm going to make, make a motion to approve the project. The project alternative being um, attachment B uh, with the changes previously enunciated, find that the proposed project is exempt from CEQA and approve PLN 2022-183 vesting tentative map. Tract map 8655, which is an application to subdivide, subdivide four parcels into nine residential lots with a private street. And then also addressing condition 42, which I enunciated earlier as to where the driveways should be located as per the plan that's been su submitted, note six on C 2.3, is there a second? Second. Okay. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries 4-0. Okay, we got there. Next item is staff comments and correspondence. Uh, none at this time. Here's report. Um, the only thing I, I was kind of hoping the whole commission's here, so it might be a little premature, but there's been some discussion previously, not a whole lot here at the planning commission on the study that was done that was reviewing the permit process at the planning department, public works, fire department, and environmental health. Um, the County Board of Supervisors approved a contract of roughly $500,000 to review those processes. That consultant issued a report, and it's been a while since I read it, but I want to say it's 200 pages. It might be 120. Unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be a mechanism to see if those changes, um, you know, if any of those changes are going to be implemented. Um so I spoke to Supervisor Miley about this, and what I what I threw at him was I let him know that we did have a permit streamlining subcommittee on the commission already, and um, floated the idea that that permit streamlining subcommittee um, embark on a process of um, to be determined, essentially with the goal of 
trying to see that some of those, some or all of those changes in that report get made over some period of time. Um, so what I'd like to do is bring that to, because I think it's something that the full commission should vote on and talk about. So I think it needs to be an item that needs to be on the agenda for us all to discuss uh, and get into any more specifics about it. Um, but I wanted to just bring that up to commissioners at this particular meeting that um, Supervisor Miley at least was uh, like the idea. He kind of agrees that um, the supervisor's offices are not in a position to do that. And the, the logic of having the planning commission do it would be that we're the one step below the board of supervisors, we're the next step down the ladder essentially. And that the plans that have been approved by this commission historically are not being implemented uh, the way they should be due to the issues raised in this report. So that was my chair's comment. Any announcements, comments, or reports? We, I don't uh, have a hammer, but... Sure, Crawford? Yeah. I have two comments. Yes. One, I'd just like to thank Commissioner Crawford for his preparation in advance of this meeting. It made some complicated issues far simpler. Um, also, I feel like this is just a general piggyback on your comment about the permit streamlining. We're going to delve down this road... I understand the Board of Supervisors accepted that report. It's never come to the Planning Commission and we've never received a presentation on it. Personally, I feel like I would prefer or suggest that if we're going to panel action on that, that we should at least hear the consultant perhaps or someone should present its findings to us so that we would understand it and have a ability to engage with it. It seems like, I mean, it's available. But I think there's a difference, and maybe that might be something to consider. I think that's a great idea. Really. That'd be a good way to start. Is that different than the objective standards and everything? I mean, yes. that can all go together, right, to a degree? No, no. This is just uh, – this actually started out as a uh, an issue in Supervisor Halbert's office. The, you know, the, the supervisors and their staffs are continually dealing with complaints about county departments – you know, about all kinds of complaints from all kinds of county departments. Um, but the permit process in Alameda County has become so difficult that uh, Supervisor Halbert, when he was elected, actually hired um, uh, a consultant uh, from um, Cal State Hayward, and she did kind of an unbiased uh, study. It was not nearly as thorough as this other one I'm referencing. Uh, interviewed about 25 people, county department heads, applicants, developers, um, appointed officials on county bodies, uh, and came up with a report of her own that was pretty damning. Um, and then she also asked the department heads how, how good they felt they were doing. So give themselves a grade of one to 10. Of course, the fire department gave themselves a 10. Um, so that was pretty telling. And uh, that you know, that report being um, given to transportation and planning um, led to them, you know, moving on or, or going to um, county administrator's office to seek funds or approval at the Board of Supervisors for a, a more in-depth study, which they did follow through on. And that pretty much occurred most of last year. So that study's complete. The report was made to transportation and planning. 
And I, I agree. I think it'd be a great idea to have it come to the planning commission. And I just, I just think that this process, if this is something that we choose to do, I think this is, and we don't even need to necessarily do it in committee. We, I mean, we don't even have meetings half the time, you know, we could, we can make meetings just about that if there's if there's um, the need for it. But I think the education that commissioners will get about the process uh, would be a great uh, learning tool going forward. So I don't have a, a gavel, so I'll just use my pen. We are adjourned. <laughs>